content may not be appropriate for all audiences. Listener's discretion is advised. listeners to WTF You're Talking About, the podcast where we don't know what we're talking about until you do. I'm Katie. And I'm Decker. And we're here to ask each other, what the fuck are you talking about? Categories are true crime, paranormal, history and education, science and technology, entertainment and current events. We will use an eight-sided die. So you're probably like, hold on, there are six categories. Why are you using an eight-sided die? That is because if you roll a one, you're going to roll a six-sided die for those same categories, but it's got to be local. So Idaho or any state bordering Idaho. And if you roll an eight, then that's a wild, and you get to pick whatever the fuck you want. Hooray! So, Decker, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, I am going to be talking about something that happened uh, today in history, as of recording. And uh, I was looking at I saw a couple things, like one of the things was, like, the Boston Tea Party happened today, and... Love a good tea party. Right. <laughs> Uh, but I want to talk about something that I'm not very familiar with and maybe something that's outside of the States. So I'm going to be talking about the Indo-Pakistani Wars. And yes, that is wars plural, because there were several of them. So, for any of you guys doubting out there, no. Um, <laughs> In case you forgot how pluraling works. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be talking about this one. Uh, and... What's very interesting about this is not only the decades that spans over, but the amount of casualties due to this is in the hundreds of thousands to millions, depending on who you ask. It's a lot. That is many. That is a lot. So let's go ahead and get started. So um, this started um, after the partition of British India in 1947. Just after World War II, so after that happened, there were a lot of the territories that uh, Britain owned that got um, basically granted back their sovereignty. And this divided three provinces, Assam, Bengal, and Punjab, uh, based on the religious majority of the region. So being that, like, Hindu and uh, Islam. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right, and those are the two main uh, power struggles there. Uh the um so several wars broke out due to the land power struggle between uh Pakistan started um with Pakistan they started a lot of these wars and they lost all of these wars. It's very <laughs> Which French. I I <laughs> right? But I what's funny is that they end up starting it, they do a lot more harm than good, and then pretty much what you'll see is the trend is um these uh nations like uh Jammu and Kashmir They'll be like, oh shit, they're attacking. Hey, India, can you help us out? And then India's like, and they're like, they'll sign over. Like, they'll say like, hey, you, we'll be like your <laughs> Stop state. Stop that. <laughs> well, like, well, they'll, they'll offer to give away their independence for India's protection. And then India's like, sure. Sure, we'll take it. And then it. they're just like, <laughs> they'll go all away. So, um, India claims uh, Jammu and Kashmir and 43% of the region as of 2010. Pakistan has 37%, which is uh, Azad, Kashmir, and I, and again, 
a lot of these names I'm just gonna butcher because I'm just not good with words normally, and let alone a foreign language is not gonna be my forte. But uh, it's Gilgit Baltistan, and then China has the rest, which is like an uninhabited region. So like that extra twenty plus percent is just all extra land. Uh, now, uh, according to scholars, Indian forces have committed many human rights abuses and acts of terror against Kashmir civilian, pop, uh, the Kashmiri civilian population, including extrajudicial killing, rape, torture, and enforced disappearances. Yeah, so that last one really caught me off guard because I've never heard of enforced disappearances before. Like, where the government's like, go away. <laughs> Like, not to say exiled, but it's like, we need you to just to not exist anymore. So, goodbye. That's sketchy. Right? Uh, but maybe there's a difference between enforced disappearances versus, like, exile. Like, I'm not sure. Maybe that's just, like, uh, being hidden away from the public. Maybe like, maybe you're not necessarily a, uh, like, prisoner. But you just, like, you're, like, un- like, almost, like, underneath state arrest? Well, I think, like, exile, you have to leave. But mm-hmm. everyone knows that you had to leave. Right. Like, that makes me wonder if forced disappearance, it's like, who knows where they went? We don't know. Don't you know. don't know. We no just made knows. sure they're not here. <laughs> um, so on top of that, uh, crimes against militants, or crimes by militants have also happened but are not comparable on a scale with crimes of Indian forces. In total there have been between 500,000 to 1 million casualties and I'm actually going to say that number is much higher based on the surrounding events around the wars because I am going to include those into Mm -hmm. these numbers. So the first war happened in October of 1947. It's known as the first Kashmir War when several princely states were forced to choose to either join Pakistan, India, or remain independent. Right? So Jammu and Kashmir both had um, Hindus and Muslims as the primary religion, and it was almost down the middle. I believe the majority of them were uh, Muslims, but they're actually ruled by um, a Hindu Maharaja Hari Singh. Now, Pakistan attacked them, which forced the Maharaja to sign the state over to India for protection for its citizens, and Resolution Resolution 47 was passed. (laughs) Yeah, so Resolution 47 was passed in April of 1948 to help with restoring peace to the conflicted area and to set the fate of Kashmir. So basically what they said was, the first part of it was saying, hey, Pakistan, get the fuck out of there. Like, you guys are being assholes. Get out. And then they told India in the second stage to pull back its troops. And then the third part was to help quell the, you know, all the animosity that was brewing between everyone. And it forced both parties to reduce the number of troops in the area. And a ceasefire was declared before midnight on January 1949. And India got two-thirds of the area where Pakistan got the rest. So... Um, the next time this happened was in 1965, uh, after Operation Gibraltar, which is um, a name stolen based off of the uh, Arab invasion in Spain, which mm-hmm. is sounds very interesting. I'd want to look into that. Um, but the goal was to um, basically um, insert unrest 
toward India. So their goal was to go in there and basically, you know, stir up some commotion and make it be um, the civilians are upset with India and don't want to be a part of India. Now, due to poor communication and just not being stealthy, they were easily found out that it was Pakistan. And since they were quickly discovered, this lasted for a little over a fortnight, so about 17 days, with thousands of deaths on each side. It was the largest engagement with vehicles since World War II, and this ended with the intervention between the Soviets and the U.S., basically telling them to knock it the fuck off, which is, it's funny that we got, uh, you know, Soviet Russia and the United States to uh -huh. be like, come together and be like, knock it off. <laughs> That's... Okay. <laughs> Come do together. as we say, not as we do. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then, uh, thus the uh, Tashkent Declaration was issued, forcing military leaders to meet. So both Pakistan military and uh, India military had to meet up and basically have a truce and a ceasefire. Again. Now, after this one, the next war was in 1971, and this was started not due to the Jammu and Kashmir issues, right? Where, like, they were trying to get the land, but it actually uh, became a political battle between East and West Pakistan. Okay. Okay. Now, this is going to be kind of verbatim off of uh, the uh, one of the wiki articles I found because it's very important that I get all this correct. So... Uh, Don't fuck it up. Right. Ugh, it's a good thing I have text here. But the, basically, before this happened, there was, uh, like, right around this time was Operation Searchlight. And it was a planned military operation carried out by the Pakistan Army to curb uh, the Bengali nationalist movement in the East Pakistan area in around March of 1971. Right? Now... With this here, this was ordered by the central government in West Pakistan and seen as a sequel to Operation Blitz, which I didn't find, I, I didn't take the time to look into any of that information. But the plan originally was launched to where they, the very first thing they do is try to take control of the major cities in the uh, 26th of March and then eliminating all opposition for political or military personnel within one month, right? So this is supposed to be a very fast um you know powerful blow to that area and the president which is yah and this guy's an asshole but it's uh yaya khan at a conference in february of 1971 said kill three million of them and the rest will eat out of your hands right so after this um the resistance was not anticipated, uh, or the Bengali resistance was not anticipated by the Pakistani rulers, and then the main phase ended with... But they thought they'd be cool with that? Right. I know, right? It's just fine. We don't understand why they were unhappy. So this eventually led into... Uh, this operation preceded what was known as the Bangladesh Genocide of 1971, which is why I say the death toll is much higher, because it caused 10 million refugees to move from Bangladesh into India, and the death rates of civilians are between the realms of 300,000 to 3 million. Of civilians? Civilians. God. Not even, like, not armed personnel, civilians. Humans are garbage. Right. It's just... I, 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 
I know that supposedly over in like the Middle East and that those areas religion has a lot more of a influence in how people act and what people do and why people like their motivations but to kill to kill you know potentially up to 3 million people and chase 10 million people out of their homes how does that not make you a monster I don't care like what god or religion you serve like hey. you're a fucking monster if you feel like that's okay for civilians that are just trying to live their lives but uh, so with that though the people that were targeted were Bengali uh, intelligence academics and Hindus uh, were targeted for the harshest treatments with uh, significant killings taking place these killings enraged the Bengalis who then declared independence from Pakistan and established a new nation of Bangladesh. Right? So out of this whole thing, eventually they left Pakistan and became Bangladesh. Okay. So Pakistan not only didn't get more land, they, they lost. They lost land. Some, yeah. Technically. And this was a major, major failure for Pakistan in terms of like a... Uh, like war success. Now, in terms of success, it was a failure. <laughs> right, in terms of success, it was a failure. So uh, the Indian army quickly retaliated, securing under six thousand miles of land of Pakistan land, uh, but gave it back in the uh, Simla Agreement, which was an, uh, basically they took that land and then they gave it back as a show of good faith to like basically try and tell them the like, hey. Don't be fucking monsters. Now, I don't think they should have done that necessarily because it seems like, and this is not all of Pakistan, this is whoever was running the government at the time and whoever was part of their committee are fucking monsters. I don't think you should yeah. give land back to people who are willing to just start murdering people civilians. Yeah. I mean, that's not necessarily... We, we didn't let fucking Germany do that after everything was all said and done. Well, hold on. We let them do it for a while. We, I, yes, but at the very, like, we didn't, like, let them, ha like, at the end of World War II and stuff, we didn't allow them to keep all the territories that they had ascertained. Uh, right. Right? Like, we, we were like, no, you're fucking giving that back. More or less. <laughs> More or less, right. So, um, but this one's crazy because the result of this led to 90,000 POWs. Because the 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 resistance that came from India was so massive that like it's one of the largest uh, pretty much surrenders in like wartime history. Man, that is so many people. That's a lot of fucking people, and that that is both military and civilian personnel. Like them just being like, just don't don't fucking kill me. Um. Uh, and and basically, it's also said it's like there's an author. And I couldn't find the name for this source, but supposedly there's an author that says Pakistan lost half of its navy and a quarter of its air force and a third of its army based on this. D based on this surrender. Wow. That's so many people. Um, and then lastly, the most recent war they had was in 1999 called the Cargill War. So there's the line of control, right? So so you have China that has this area over here. Mm -hmm. You have Pakistan that had like part of this area, and then here's India's area. And so Pakistan was going through their area 
into Jammu and Kashmir. Okay, so they right. were like, hey, stop it. Right, and they were like hitting the capital areas over here. And then India's like, oh, no, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how many people we have? All of them. <laughs> All of them. We, we, because isn't it like India and China, like the ones that are like rivaling, like who has the most. I think so. Science and stuff. Or, or just like, you know, humans, human beings, if you will. I think, because each one of them, I think, has approximately like one plus billion. If I'm not mistaken. Sure. I mean, I'm just throwing a number out I there. I believe but, you. Uh, These are not numbers I know off the top of my head. Right. But, um, so Pakistan had crossed the line of control and uh, occupied Indian territory. So this time they actually, like, went through the line of control towards India. <laughs> like, now you're just attacking India. So I'm guessing that, again, they were like, no, Which fuck you. also, let's talk about, like, why not just go here? Why go through there? Why go through the the line of control? Well, you know, the longest distance to a, to a place is to go right. all the way around. Uh, but anyways, I mean, not like I want to give them good advice, but... I don't think they'd take it. No. Because good advice would just be, don't fucking wage wars Don't do and this. Shit, especially against a country. <laughs> go have a bath and talk it out later. <laughs> yeah. Um... But, so India eventually, uh, they got back this land that was taken from them near the end of the conflict, and uh, due to the pressure of the U.S. possibly intervening, a large-scale retaliation by both the U.S. and by India, low morale for their troops since they had suffered devastating losses and were getting pushed back, and then lastly, their weakened economy after continually waging wars... And making it, you know, basically they were devaluing their currency to, like, try and stop them from fighting. Because it's like, well, no, you can't buy shit. Um, led to uh, one of their most major defeats. Wow. So. So, so all in all, Pakistan, zero. Everyone else, four? <laughs> <laughs> right? That is not a great score. It's not a great score, but I think the worst part is, even though they lost, just the death toll that amounted from this, right? So if we take if we take the low ball of numbers... Of non-military people. If we take the low ball numbers, then that's where it's like about 500,000. If we take the high ball numbers, that's where it's three plus million. God. That's a lot of death. That is. Right? And then in terms of people affected, low ball would be about 11 million. High ball would be 14 million. Just because of like the people that had to get moved. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, that's what I was going to talk about is... You know, wars and such, they're... <laughs> Garbage. Well, I mean, especially like this one, like, uh, some wars are like, to you know, fighting against tyrants or fighting for your independence. This was after people had had their own sovereignty and were deciding where they wanted to go. Someone like, nah, we want you. And not talking to you, we're just gonna fucking we're just, just take it. We're taking it! Because, <laughs> I mean, Britain was gone, right? Like, they, they're not, they don't have any of their established bases in there. Or, like, any other personnel, you know, if they had any. Have you ever seen The Secret Garden? I have, but I haven't seen it in, like... I think the last time I saw it was, like, I was eight? So that's about 20 years ago. It's a long time. 20 years ago? I said it's about 20 years ago. I was like, do you know how old you are? If it won't be specific, it'd be 17 years ago. But that's what I said about. (laughs) But, yeah. So... Katie. Yes. What the fuck are you talking about? Well, so I had a wild. 
And I was thinking, I have not gotten a science yet. So I decided I was going to pick my own science. Okay. Oh, wait, wait. Pseudoscience? <laughs> no, no, real my science. My own science. <laughs> I see. I see. I see. So, do you do you know what Hansen's disease is? I do not. Does uh, so true false? Okay. Having leprosy causes the loss of extremities. No. Leprosy is. Oh, sorry. False. <laughs> true or false? No. <laughs> Nay, I say. Leprosy is highly contagious. Yes. Leprosy reproduces and spreads rapidly. Yes. Leprosy is fatal. False. Leprosy. Well, I said yes again. True, 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 false. There we go. I'll figure my life out at some point. Leprosy is incurable. False. Leprosy is a virus. True. Okay. So, Hansen's disease is another name for leprosy. Okay. And is it because I have hands? No. Okay. All of those were false. All of them. All of them. Leprosy does not cause the loss of limbs. It is not highly contagious. It does not reproduce or spread quickly. It is not fatal, incurable, and it is a bacteria. Mmm. I don't know why I made a sound of deliciousness. I don't know either. That was... Mm. Not fatal. My favorite. So, leprosy, which is now known as Hansen's disease, is a bacteria infection caused by Mycobacterium leprae, or Mycobacterium lepromatosis. Ah, uh, yes. Lepromatosis. He's pointing at his toes. <laughs> I am. <laughs> the bacteria Sorry. grows very slowly, and it, so it takes about 13 days to reproduce. So okay. whereas we know there's other bacteria that what, it, take, like, hours. What do you mean by reproduce? Is that for, like, it to become another cell? Yes. So to split That's into one, one little cell of leprosy, for it to split into two little cells, that takes 13 days. Fuck. Yeah, it is. It's very that slow. A, like, that is just like, ah, I'm gonna get ya. <laughs> it's not even like that. It's just like, I'm just doing my thing. I just, oh, whoops, I stumbled into another cell. Basically. <laughs> uh, and I think we talked about this a little bit just, like, in life, because we like to play a pandemic. Yes. So when something is endemic to a region, right. that means that it's at, like, the level of, I don't know what word I'm grasping for, but so it's, like... It is... It is... Yeah, you don't know what word you're grasping for. No, either. no, no. Like, <laughs> it, 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 is, it is detrimental to a specific population. Like a, a specific geographic region. Yeah, like a certain region. Whereas a pandemic is the fucking world. Yep. Otherwise known as the pan, as I call it. I live on a pan. You are probably the only person that calls it that. The moon is an egg in the sky. The fuck? I want to cook it. <laughs> I'm hungry. Oh, God. Why are you hungry? We just know. ate dinner. I know. Two sandwiches! I don't know. There's a black hole in my stomach and there's a moon in the sky. One of those has to go. What just happened? I don't know. I'm stroking out. Hmm. Sorry, did I break your brain? Yep. <laughs> I just like There's lots of staring. 
So it's transmitted by respiratory droplets. Okay. And the incubation period can be anywhere from one year to 20 years. Wait, the incubation period? Yeah. Okay, for those of us that don't know, what does that mean? So, that's like, you have the little lepros- lep- lep- I was gonna say leprosaurian. You that's gave not- me the lep. I <laughs> Right in the crease of my arm. I don't know why I'm illustrating this via physical demonstration. Ah, uh, yes. My, uh, my third lung is so, in the crease of my elbow. <laughs> so, you have your little leprosy cell here that's in your body. That tickles. It's hanging out. Okay. It could hang out for one year or 20 years or anywhere in between before it decides to be like, you have leprosy. So I could have leprosy now. Yeah. And I wouldn't have Probably it until not, 46. Probably not, but yeah. Right, right. But if I were to if I were to gain said leprosy at this exact moment, yeah, at this exact moment, it could take. It averages about five years to show up. Gotcha. That's not like. I mean, that's almost the incubation period of like. I think is it hepatitis C, that has like a long. They, that one? one's got a pretty long. And then like one, when it does show, it hits like a fucking train. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. So, because at least this one's slow. Well, yeah. It has so it has a really low infectivity due to how long it takes for it to reproduce, and it has to be in a live cell. It will not survive outside of a live cell. So this isn't something where you're like, oh, I touched a door handle that a person with leprosy touched. Now I have leprosy. Like that's not how it works. Because your skin's dead and shit. Well, also because it's specifically spread by respiratory droplets. Right. <laughs> so it has to go from, like, person to person. So... Wait, if that's the case, then how can it be... So you said it was false for being very contagious. Is that why? Because it literally can't exist outside of a host? That's part of it, yes. I will go into it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But so because it cannot exist outside of a live cell... You can't grow it in a lab like you can other bacteria, where you have your little petri dish and you're like, yep, growing some bacteria. Look at my little bacteria farm. Like, that doesn't work. You have to have a live host. And it's not exactly ethical to just be like, would you like to join the study and have leprosy? We'll pay you $20. Mm. <laughs> but, I mean, there is there is a little a way to do testing for leprosy in a lab that I will get to later. Right. So there are three different forms of leprosy. Tuberculoid. Load. Tuberculoid. <laughs> Tuberculoid. I don't know. Reading is hard. Tuberculoid, which is less contagious. Okay. And lepromatis, which is the most severe and is more contagious. Which is not very contagious, but more contagious than the other one. Mm. How how contagious are we talking? Not very. Mm. So there's not very contagious, and there's even less contagious. Gotcha. So in like in between both of those, there's borderline, and the, so the presentation of the disease is dependent on the immune response of the host. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there's tuberculoid leprosy going around, and there's lepromatis. It's there's leprosy, you get it, and the way that your body reacts determines what it is. Mm. And so it can be a combination 
between both of those, and it can it's possible for it to switch between those forms. So that's where you get the borderline. Weird. <laughs> I'll be whatever I want to be. Uh, basically. Uh, leprosy comes from the same bacterial family as tuberculosis. So the National Hansen's Disease Program also conducts uh, so like a lot of extramurally funded TB research. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. The, de- the, 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 the disease can affect the nerves, skin, eyes, and lining of the nose. So like nerves, toes. mucous membranes, that kind of stuff. The bacteria attacks the nerves, which can become swollen under the skin, causing the affected areas to lose the ability to sense touch and pain, which can lead to injuries. The affected skin changes color and becomes either lighter or darker, dry and flaky, with a loss of feeling. Can you get a tan? No. (laughs) Or reddish due to inflammation of the skin. If left untreated, the nerve damage can result in paralysis of hands and feet. In very advanced cases, the person may have multiple injuries due to the lack of sensation, and eventually the body may reabsorb the affected digits over time, uh, giving the apparent loss of, like, toes and fingers. So in India... Oh, sweet! It was... It, had, it appeared that people that had leprosy were waking up missing toes and fingers. Right. So that's kind of where you get this, like, oh yeah, like, leprosy... So you get the untouchables? No. Oops. So you get, like, leprosy, oh, like, it makes things fall off of you. What was going on was in the middle of the night. So, okay, you have lots of people living in a very small amount of space, right? Right. So a lot of, heavily on each other. Well, no. So a lot of these homes have many people in them sleeping on the floor, da-da-da-da-da. Right. So in the middle of the night, everyone is asleep. Yes. You don't have feeling in your fingers and toes. Yep. So you're asleep, and a little rat screams. No! 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 (laughs) No! No to this 100%. A little rat scurries over. No! Finds you sleeping. And sees your toes sticking out. And nom, 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 nom. Delicioso. Thanks. You have no more toe. But you can't feel that, so you wake up and you're just like, I had ten toes when I went to sleep. Now I have nine. That's, that's horrific. And so that's... Like, mm, well, that's gone. That's where the misconception that we have of leprosy... Oh, like, it makes your extremities fall off. That's kind of where that comes from. Yeah, it's like, I can't feel shit. and Something just stole it in the night. Along that same line, part of the reason why people that have leprosy are often missing things, because there's, A that particular circumstance with, mm-hmm. you know, rats coming and eating it and not knowing because you can't feel it. Right. B, you know, that it deteriorates enough that your body just reabsorbs it. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember if I was using numbers or letters, but C, and I've held up the number two for some reason, which is incorrect. <laughs> C, you can't feel something, so you don't know that you've placed your limb in danger. So right. if you touch a hot stove, you're like, oh, this is hot. I remove my hand. Right. If you can't feel that, you leave your hand there. It's burned. And it's so damaged that you just have to have it. And now the rats are really excited because they have a barbecue. You're really, really focused on those rats, I, man. You, 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 you touched me when you talked about the, the rats. And I just gave you the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> no. 
Ah! No! <laughs> It'll live in my nightmares! Blindness can also result from leprosy in five ways. Hmm. So there's corneal ulcers, which is an open sore on the cornea, which okay. that sounds fun. Right. Loss of muscle control of the muscles that hold the eyes in position. So basically, the stuff that keeps you looking where you're supposed to look and not like rolling back in your head. Mm-hmm. Loss of feeling on the surface of the cornea. Uh, so, and then that combined with loss of tear duct function. So your eyes just like, don't do eye things. Uh, corneal opacity, which is the most common. So that's where it just, it gets too foggy to be able to see through. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, in my mind that equated to like headlights, how they get foggy. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that um, makes total sense. And I think this one would be the worst. Loss of nerve control of the muscles that control blinking. So you can't blink anymore. Is it you can't blink anymore or you just blink at random? No, you can't blink anymore. So like your eyes are like, we need to blink. And and your eye muscles are like, yeah, can't do that thing. So you're just like. No, I imagine your eyes probably just dry out and you go blind. No, I got this. Why are you playing with your face? I am blinking. Rats. No. No! <laughs> now here's the thing. That when you look back at the way people with leprosy have been treated throughout ever is interesting. Mm-hmm. 95% <clears throat> of people are immune to leprosy. 95. That's, that's a lot. most people. That's, that's a lot of people. Yeah. Like, now are we talking like like we're just naturally immune yeah or okay you're just naturally immune that's good the only other reservoir for leprosy is the armadillo oh my god i'm waiting because this is where you put my the lep oh <laughs> and i was like arm armadillo arm? elbow dillo is that dillo. what you mean like oh i love armadillos armadillos are really cute they are they're so cute now, here's the thing, though. Armadillos contracted leprosy when Europeans came to North America. Motherfuckers! Humans. They're garbage. Ruined my armadillos. In 2015, there were 178 new cases of leprosy in the U.S., 72% in areas with armadillos. So it appears that transmission from armadillo to human is possible. Um, Since there are some cases of people being infected without prolonged contact to an infected person. Hmm. But they've been in an area where an armadillo is. Which, I'm trying to figure out how much prolonged contact you have to have with an armadillo to get leprosy. Because that feels like a lot. (laughs) Armadillo, you're my best friend. So every year, about 150 people in the U.S. and 2,500... 250,000 people around the world get leprosy. Leprosy cannot spread through sexual contact or from mother to unborn child. It is strictly respiratory drops. So if you don't breathe on me, I'm fine. No. (laughs) Whatever you got. It takes a very long time to develop symptoms of disease. And it is often very hard to determine the source of infection. So, right, because it takes so long yeah. and so slow. And if it's averaging five years before it actually like manifests itself, uh, uh, do uh, you know who you got it from five it was, years ago? It was a tree fort. Tree fort. Un- <laughs> underneath the tree fort. The fuck? <laughs> That's where I got it five years ago <laughs> to the day. I remember Kenny was there. 
<laughs> I don't know. That's that's. I mean, it makes a lot of sense as to why it's like hard to pin down. So I mean, at least the nice thing is like it's ninety five percent of the population is immune to it. Mm-hmm. So even if you are one of the five percent, then that means the odds of you getting it still are so fucking low. Yeah. Huh. It takes prolonged close contact with someone that has untreated leprosy over many months to catch leprosy from a person. Some armadillos are naturally infected, however, the risk is very low. So I assume that means the risk to armadillos is low. Good. They also share our immunity. Hooray. Poor armadillos. They're just minding their own goddamn business. So, signs and symptoms... Discolored patches of skin, usually flat, that may be numb and look faded. Growths or nodules on the skin. Thick, stiff, or dry skin. Painless ulcers on the soles of feet. Painless swelling or lumps on the face or earlobes. Which, that feels super specific. Like, oh, there's a lump on your earlobe. Oh, I'm growing another ear. Loss of eyebrows or eyelashes. Oh, no, my emotions. Nerve damage can cause numbness, muscle weakness, or paralysis. Enlarged nerves, especially around the elbow and the knee and the sides of the neck. And eye problems. Additional symptoms include stuffy nose and nosebleeds. If left untreated, it can result in paralysis, uh, crippling of hands and feet, shortening of toes and fingers due to reabsorption, chronic non-healing ulcers on the bottom of the feet, blindness, loss of eyebrows, and nose disfigurement. So what's the cure, then, for leprosy? I'll get there. Okay. So a number of leprostatic agents are available for treatment. Okay. Treatment depends on the type of leprosy. So for tuberculoid cases, treatment involves daily doses of dapson and monthly doses of rifampicin. Rifampicin? Ritampicin? Something like that. For six months. Okay. For lepro... Lepromotus. Lepromatus. Fuck that. For lepromatis cases, daily dapsone and clofazamine, along mm-hmm. with month, month, monthly rifamicin for 12 months. Uh, multidrug therapy has been proven to be highly effective, and people are no longer contagious after the first monthly dose. Mm. And relapse rates are super low, and there has been no resistance to the combination of drugs seen. That's good. Something that is also super cool is that if you develop leprosy, the World Health World Health Fuck, the World Health Organization yep. will treat you for free. For free. For free. Wow, it's like free healthcare, but only for leprosy, which is really hard to get. Where are you going with this? I don't know. I just like <laughs> that's really cool that they give out. Like, medication for Mm -hmm. free. So in those with nerve damage, uh, protective footwear can be worn to prevent ulcers and secondary infection. Cadanserin is effective for healing ulcers, as well as fentanyl. And now we're going to take a little trip back in history. Cool. Right down memory lane. So medieval physicians explained leprosy as an excess of black bile. So many treatments were focused towards purifying the blood to realign the humors. An alchemist... But that's black bile, though, right? Because wasn't it black bile, yellow bile, blood, and phlegm? Yes. So, 
the treatment for curing it when you had an excess of black bile was to remove your blood? A different humor? Oops! <laughs> the way that medieval doctors did everything... I mean, I know it was, was all wrong. We're gonna try to make you pee, poop, or bleed. Mm. Usually they were gonna make you bleed. Or vomit. They liked vomit, too. Mm. That's great. But that was... To, they were removing the black bile through the blood. Oh, I see. It's not a thing. So it's don't not. try to put too much logic towards it. <laughs> I mean, that was my first mistake. So an alchemist would give a leprous person a solution of gold. Cool. Gold. I can be rich now. This was meant to symbolize a purity. Or no, to symbolize purity. I'm sorry. And cleanse and restore <laughs> humoral equality. Fucking, if this gold symbolizes purity. Bloodletting was also common. Yes. Surgeons would cut near a vein of accumulated corrupted blood. Spilling pure blood was also a practice as a means of sacrifice. So soaking in a bath, soaking in a bath medicated with the blood of an infant or a virgin was considered a possible cure. So, you know, a doctor prescribes you a, a baby bloodbath. You know, and you're like, yep, not, this is great. It's not fair of me to be judgmental necessarily because we have knowledge nowadays that tells us that that's not the case. But... Well, people that actually had leprosy were treated real judgmentally, so I'm going to judge them because they were assholes. Yeah. 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 And that's another thing is that I've been trying to be very conscious which it'll come in later when we talk about colonies and people being forced to move. There are like no other illnesses where you refer to a person by their illness. So where it talks, you know, like I say it, that's a very general, like everything where they're just like, oh, a leper. A leper. That's like, oh, well, we're not going to call this person, oh, that cancer person. That cancer. Like That that's super dehumanizing. Yeah, it is. It's kind of weird. So leprosy was mentioned in the four Gospels of the Bible. Oh, yes, the four. The In the New Testament. Though actual leprosy was not what they were referring to, it most likely referred to pretty much any other skin condition. Oh. Such as boils, carbuncles, fungal infections, infections resulting from a burn, impetigo, vavis of the... Vavis? Favis of the scalp. Scabies, patchy eczema, ulcers, and vitiligo. So when the Bible was being translated, leprosy hadn't even made its way to Europe. So there's no way they were talking about honest-to-God leprosy. Huh. Well, I've been lied to my whole life. (laughs) You sure have. They got me. Throughout history, one of the worst outcomes of leprosy that, like, from all of my research is basically the stigma. Because you get ostracized. I mean, that's one of the things that would happen. Yeah. If you were lucky, then that rats was all. Bite your, your, your digits off. And... So, this was some of my favorite information I discovered. <clears throat> if a man wanted to have sex with a woman that had recently had sex with someone with leprosy, she would need to cleanse her womb of sperm by doing any of the following. Sneezing. What? Jumping. Excuse me. <laughs> Bathing. What? 
Or washing with cleansing waters. <laughs> Why, though? Like, <laughs> sneezing? Jumping. <laughs> but, Bathing. But what? Like, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Line. Like, oh, here we go. Ready? Okay, get the bath ready. Achoo! Why are you jumping? God like, damn it. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know what they were thinking. I like I like this cure. The the sneeze jump. Yeah, the sneeze jump combo. I think that's classic. I think that's, I think that's a great one. Classic. I think classic I think, medicine. I like if I got the flu. The, the 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 goal is to lay on the ground, cured of being grounded. I can't be sick no more. Like <laughs> you can't be sick no more. <laughs> right. <laughs> just it's like a physical exercise. So next time you're not feeling very well, just sneeze and jump at the same time. Yes. <laughs> take a bath to clean out your womb. Yeah, actually, if you can sneeze and, well, if you can jump in as you jump, sneeze yourself into a bathtub. Like, that's of the cleansing waters. Right. I don't know what the fuck they mean by cleansing right waters. Too, like, 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 like a bishop. <laughs> like, I... <laughs> like, like, they're like blessing it as you're falling in. So it's funny that you say bishop. Oh, uh, yes. Because leprosy was diagnosed by priests. Oops. Not doctors. Priests. You got the lap. And uh, sometimes it was just diagnosed, I say with air quotes, with a passing glance. So just be like, hello, oh, you got leprosy. Yep, you gotta go. So people with leprosy were thought to be either heretics, cursed by God, or going to hell, or holy. Yeah. So you were either going to hell or you were holy. Uh, Uh, I got the age wrong, sorry. They looked at that as like, okay, so maybe these people are affected by this because they're closer to God, they're in some sort of purgatory. Right. So, that makes sense. Hang on. Oh, I'm going to be cured. Do you have a sneeze jump coming on? Oh, no, I went away. (laughs) No. I'll never be cured. Uh, Syphilis was often mistaken for leprosy. And syphilis was fucking everywhere. Someday I'll talk about syphilis. I just... I'm excited for the day I get to talk about syphilis. You're either going to Probably not something I should be excited about, but whatever. Or you're close to God. You're either accepted or not. You're either a heretic or holy. I feel like now it's like, spin the wheel! And we hate you! Get out! (laughs) And we're going to solve this by bloodletting. Bloodletting! We hate you and we'll take your blood. Thank you. In some places, people would pretend to have leprosy, since those with leprosy were given a license to beg. So now we're going to talk about some not-so-nice things. And this is where, because this is what they are called, I'm going to refer to them as leper colonies. Uh, we have 50... Uh, oh God, what the fuck was that song? Yeah, 15, 50, United States of the 13 original colonies. What are you yeah, 13, doing? The, the, the 13, the 12 tribes of Israel. Add one more. You got your leper colony. Go. Is that actually a song? No. Well, the 15, 50 one? Yeah, 15, 50, United States of the 13 original colonies. And then you have Alabama. What does this like, have to do with the tribes of Israel? I was, I remember you said leper colonies, and so my brain thought. 13 original colonies and then I was like the 12 tribes of Israel 12 colonies add one more 13 colonies boom you're done alright okay <laughs> I I went like I ran around the globe left the globe for a while came back and I found my way back you sure fucking did <laughs> 
So leper colonies were places to quarantine people that had leprosy, mm -hmm. uh, mainly becoming widespread in the Middle Ages. So that was where they started to pop up everywhere. And just due to the disfigurement that it could cause, leprosy was greatly feared. And I don't exactly know how... Okay, well, that's not true. I think I understand how it became thought to be highly contagious. And I think that's because basically any skin complaint, they were like, oh, it's leprosy. So they see all these skin conditions happening. They're just they, assuming it's leprosy yeah, like, for making it more prevalent. They see people, there's like people with eczema and people with syphilis and people that are kind of itchy and oh, they're like, oh, it's look at all of this leprosy. So I think that's why they thought it was so contagious. They were frequently run by monastic orders. A colony run by a Roman Catholic order was often called a Lazar, Lazar house after Lazarus, Lazarus, the patron saint of people with leprosy. That's very specific. Yeah, the patron saint. Some colonies were located far away in the mountains or on islands to ensure that it was quarantined. Others were along main roads to allow for donations to be made for their upkeep. Debate exists. Well, that's nice. I mean, I guess. I mean, if you're going to be forced in a colony, at least, like, people will, like, donate shit. Maybe. Uh... I mean, that doesn't mean it was happening. <laughs> that's, you know, fair point. Debate exists between the conditions of the colonies being grim and neglected versus being no worse than regular non-quarantine life. Uh, most likely, both conditions existed in various colonies. I lean more towards them being shitty. I'm sure there were some that were fine, but most of them were probably really shitty. And I will talk specifically about some of them. Some colonies issued their own money, believing that allowing people with leprosy to handle money would spread the disease, which, mm. no. But it's living. <laughs> it's alive. Everything's alive. It is in America. Leper colonies still exist today, mm -hmm. despite the fact that quarantine is pointless. Leprosy victims often isolate themselves due to the ostracism in their community. This is particularly bad in India, where more than like 700 informal leper colonies exist. Uh, discriminatory laws have been enacted, preventing people from doing things like riding public transit, voting, obtaining a driver's license, or just being, like, existing in society as a person. Being. Just oh, yes. being, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that law. Being. So, there were multiple leper colonies in America. One that I will talk specifically about was in the Hawaiian Islands. In 1866, Kamehameha V was ruling. The Hawaiian legislature. Hawaii legislature. <laughs> the Hawaii legislature passed a law that resulted in Malokai being designated as the site for a leper colony, requiring yes. those with leprosy to be relocated to the Kalupapa Peninsula. Mm -hmm. So now, going north, uh, Darcy Island in Vancouver, Canada, okay. was used as a colony for Chinese immigrants from 1891 to 1924. And this was British Columbia. Uh, China. <laughs> Different country that starts with a C. Canada had a colony in the Maritimes during this time, but the residents were all Caucasian. So, because they were racist people, couldn't possibly send any of them there. So, 
1891, the city officially became aware of five Chinese people with leprosy that were being hidden away in Chinatown. The government prepared a longhouse with six room and some food and provisions and sent these people to the island. And that's Darcy Island. Mm -hmm. A boat with supplies only came about every three months and a health officer came that would just look at them and give them opium. So would do nothing but give them drugs. Over the years, more people joined them until there were 49 people on this island, and they pretty much had to take care of themselves. The colony was eventually relocated to Bentonick Island. Uh, 13 men died on Darcy Island, and some were repatriated to China in 1907. A plaque was placed on the site in 2000, uh, and there are still some concrete ruins there. But for the most part, it seemed like Canada was trying to keep it real quiet because mm-hmm. they were not treating these people very well. One of the last active colonies in Europe was on Spinalongo in Crete. It was active 1903 to 1957, and the last inhabitant was a priest. Uh, he left the island in 1962, and this was to observe the Greek Orthodox tradition of buried people being commemorated at intervals of 40 days, six months, one year, three years, and five years after their death. So the priest couldn't leave the island until the last person that died had been commemorated on that fifth year. Wow. And then he left. That's a long time. Uh, Clayton Island was a segregation colony in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. In 1906, the first 370 patients were brought to the island. In 1907, a law was passed making segregation of these afflicted, or of those afflicted compulsory, so it became, you have to go there if you have leprosy. Between 1906 and 1910, the Americans rounded up 5,303 people and brought them to the island. In 1913, special coinage was minted for the colony. Uh, paper money. Because it lives on the, uh, yeah. <laughs> on the money. Paper money was generated for them during World War II because, I mean, you know, you got to use these, those coins to make bullets so you can kill more people. Mm. In 1988, a law was passed allowing the residents to vote. So until 1988, the people with leprosy in this colony were not, or on this segregation island, were not allowed to vote. In 1995, the colony had its first election and elected a mayor and a vice mayor. In 1998, administrative control was handed over to the people of Kolyan, ending health department control for nearly 100 years over the island. So it wasn't until 1998 that these people actually got to have any kind of autonomy. Because they were governed by, governed by the health department. That's, that's so crazy. I watched a documentary about that particular island, and it had a lot of different people that like grew up there, and they're like, we just want to live and like take care of ourselves and be like everyone else. Can we? Can we do this thing? Yeah. That's So, we are going back to the colony on Malakai in Hawaii. Okay. And I know that there was also somewhere in uh Louisiana, there was a colony. Hmm. And I think there was also one further north somewhere. That's neither here nor there, because I'm not talking about right now. Right. So, the colony on Malachi was active from 1960, 1866 to 1969, and that was when the repeal of the mandatory isolation, or with the repeal of the mandatory isolation law. 
At least 8,000 were sent into exile. As of 2015, 16 of these people were still alive, and six of them were still living in the settlement on Malachi. When they were sent into exile, the government treated you as if you were dead. So your will was um, your will was executed, your marriage was dissolved if you were married. You were basically, for all legal purposes, you were dead. Damn. The first group of patients... So fucked up. Uh, right? Like, well, you lived a good life. I'm okay, still alive! Bring out your dead! So the first group of patients that was sent consisted of 11 people. They were herded into a cattle pen on a boat and then taken to the island... They were herded on a pen? In a cattle pen on a boat. Because they didn't want to get too close to them. God, that's... That's so fucking stupid. So they take them to the island, lead them up into the mountains where the settlement would be, not is, would be, and left. They were expected to farm the land and fend for themselves as the government made no provision for food for the community. So they left them there to die. Yes, they absolutely did. That's literally what happened. The original colony was established in Kalawau, which was relocated in the early 1900s to Kalapapa, where it's warmer, drier, and accessible by water. So it's a little bit easier to get to. Um, if you, I watched something else where a, a person like walked, like went down into that particular part of the colony, and it, it's quite as like you have to go in by like donkey, because it's mm. it's a trek, but it was easier to get to because there was actually like water access there right so previous to this it was not very common for the transport boat to get close to the island so then they would force the patients to jump into the ocean and swim to the island at its i mean they need the exercise (laughs) at its peak in 19 nope at its peak in 1890 1174 patients lived on the island what went from 11 to 1000 uh, and that was, so that was 30, less than 30 years after that. those first 11 people went there. There was very little law and order on the island um, until about 1873. Uh, and patients were permitted to be accompanied by a caretaker. So that could have been a parent or a spouse or, you know, a child, whatever. Um, but they went there with the understanding that they would be treated the same way as a person with leprosy would be. So they were considered dead. Once they went there, they could not leave. Uh, children that were born to residents were immediately separated from their mothers and given to adoptive families. Uh, later on, many patients were sterilized. I'm sorry, what the fuck? They were sterilized? Yes. As in, like, they can no longer make people? Yes. Against their will. And it's not like... And it... Because it, it went across... I Words. Cause I, don't, there's, I don't have words. I don't have words Because it's that. disgusting. Yeah. But so there were children born to residents of the island. So people with leprosy having children with other people with leprosy. Or people without leprosy that came to the island with someone having children with someone with leprosy. Probably two people that didn't have leprosy that came to the island with other people having children. And I believe that regardless, they were all taken away. Even though leprosy cannot pass from mother to child. 
are cemeteries scattered around the island with only 1,300 identifiable tombstones and at least 200, 200, 2,000 unmarked graves. Um, Father Damien arrived at Kalawau in 1873. So this is kind of when things started coming around to there being a little bit more law and order and stuff. Gotcha. He was a Belgian Catholic missionary. Uh, once there were 200 Catholics on the island, the church decided that they needed to have a priest on the island. Uh, so the only remaining buildings that are in the old settlement at Kalawau are two churches, one of them being Father Damien's St. Philomena Catholic Church. So Father Damien was only supposed to stay for or stay in the colony for a little bit, just like a couple of months, um, and he'd be replaced because they thought that this would prevent him from contracting leprosy. And so they figured, well, we'll just send a new priest every couple of months and then no one will get leprosy because that makes sense. Let's just get more leprosy. So he he quickly fell in love with the people of the island and the church knew that they wouldn't be able to remove him from the island because it would look really bad. Mm-hmm. Not because like, hey, we think you're doing doing great stuff. Like, no, it would just look bad for the church. If it would be bad for two reasons. It'd be bad, bad PR if we took you away. Right, it'd be bad for that and also be bad because anyone that goes there is not allowed to leave. Well, technically speaking. I think that would, it's different for missionaries. I, I Is they're immune to the left. Well, I, I'm, they're immune to the law, I guess. Right. Uh, because I mean if the plan was to replace him that means they're taking him away back to Belgium or wherever they're gonna send him next Mm -hmm. and someone else would go in and then they'd replace them so it's all very stupid Mm -hmm. because oh these people can leave but these people can't so Father Damien cared for the patients himself and helped to establish houses I thought I wrote horses he established horses Wow. So he Great helped, man. He helped to establish houses, roads, schools, hospitals, and churches. He dressed ulcers, made coffins, dug graves, built a reservoir, and provided medical and emotional support. After 11 years that he had been on the island, he scalded his hand and realized that he hadn't felt anything. Um, so he had, in fact, contracted leprosy because he was part of the 5% that were not immune. So that's, like, the odds, man. Yeah. He continued his work until his death in 1889, and he was later sainted, or he was sainted and buried in Belgium. Uh, he was originally buried at his, in his churchyard in Kalawau, but they, they moved him in 1960, nope, 1936. Um, later, they cut off his hand. And returned that to his original resting place in Malachi. Why? I don't know. I'm not Catholic. I don't understand how that works. I thought you were supposed to keep the body together. <laughs> so, Sister Marianne Cope was a German-born American religious sister of the Sisters of St. Francis of Syracuse, New York. She re- relocated to Malachi in 1883 with six other sisters. She did not contract the disease. Uh, she did die in Kalopapa in 1918, and she was also sainted, making Malachi the only place in America to have two saints live and die there. Um, she was actually there at the time that Father Damien died and attended his funeral. Oh. And one 
super badass lady, Alice Augusta Bell was an African-American chemist who developed an injectable oil extract that was the most effective treatment for leprosy in the early 20th century. Fuck yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, and I couldn't remember where... Take that. Religion. Science. <laughs> I couldn't remember where I found it, but I listened to this one thing about a doctor at one of the hospitals there where the leprosy patients were treated horribly. But this one particular doctor was actively trying to give people leprosy. Like, he was taking people that were on the island that did not have leprosy. Air quotes research. He's taking people that didn't have leprosy. It's definitely unethical. And he was taking, like, scrapings from people that did have leprosy and making them eat them. Huh? Like, at one point, he prepared this, like, huge meal and was like, look at this cool thing I've made for you. And it was actually just full of, like, scrapings from... Like, ulcers and, like, from people's noses and stuff that he thought would give people leprosy. And then when people didn't get leprosy, he was super pissed. The right? fuck? Right? The fuck? Oh, man. If I ever found a, someone did that, like, I mean, that's, that's, that's just how you die. That's how you, that's how you die. <laughs> Mess with my food, man. And it even, it was... I d- and I know, where am I? How how do I? What do where I am I? Words are so hard. Yeah, but you were saying. I'm trying to remember. Even though we know scientifically, it is not very contagious. It has to stay in a live cell. I still feel like a it has lot a of stigma. Well, that and also. I still feel like people look at the island of Malachi as like, oh, well, we can't go there. There was a leper colony. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. People are weird, messed yeah. up. Yeah. There are some cool people, but today's episode. Humans are garbage. They're trash. <laughs> God. But it's also interesting how much influence the church had over something that they clearly knew fucking nothing about and how far-reaching that has been. I mean, if you believe, <laughs> well, that's all it takes. Just a little belief will get you there. Well, if you can just believe that leprosy is not... Le- leprosy. Leprosy. That leprosy is not <laughs> contagious, then A+. Plus. Woo! Well, I will believe that. So that way I don't have to do the sneeze-jump combo. Well, next time you feel like you're getting a cold, just try the, try the sneeze jump combo and see if that helps. I don't understand what they thought was going to happen. Like, do they think you're going to, like, sneeze the contaminated semen out? Yeah. Well, I think what, maybe what it was is, um, you know how, like, sneezing is, like, getting, like the, the devil out of you? Like, getting, like, your demons out? Allegedly. So they thought, like, you could, right, allegedly. Well, allegedly. Like, maybe that to them was, like, if you were to sneeze out, you were sneezing out your... Okay, but jumping? Your sin. Jumping? Jumping. Gets you further away from the ground, which is below it is where hell's at. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, re- I'm reaching here. <laughs> Do you stretch much? Because you're... I'm reaching for the sky. <laughs> Reach for the sky. Oh. But. Yeah. So yeah, that's leprosy. Don't worry, you won't get it. Yeah. Hmm. Only 5% of people in the world can get it. 
And then it's easily treatable. So there's that. Yay. For free. For even. free. Yeah. Thanks, who? Yup. So, shall we roll for next episode? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So I have some Chessex. What are these? These are festive circus, I think. Hmm. Either festive circus or festive carousel. I'm pretty sure it's festive circus. Paranormal. Nice. Sick. And then I have, I'm going to roll these green dice here. I want to do this one. Perfect. Okay. And do, 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 do. Oh, nope. Nice. Bad. Punch everything. Right. What was that one again? True crime. Ah, yes. Yeah, true crime. God, I can't never, I always confuse paranormal and true crime every single fucking time. God damn it. <laughs> you think we'd know this by now. Right. Well, I know nothing. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for tuning in. Come back next week to find out what the fuck we're talking about. Bye. Bye. If you've got something to say, you can find us on Anchor at anchor.fm slash WTFpod. You can email us at wtf.podcast.mail at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at WTFAYTA podcast. That's W-T-F-A-Y-T-A, that's our acronym, podcast. Our music is by Decker Hinckley, and our artwork is by Kirby Morfitt.